So, but um, Dhamma is vast and imponderable, but I am limited. Um, so, we could just ask questions that are that are sort of vaguely relevant. <laughs> <laughs> Ask from what, from where your your hunger is, or from just dilettante interest. The four elements, yeah. Yeah, and why one would want to think of such things. Well, yeah, the, the four elements, why think of them? Well, some, some of these things it, are there because when one's thinking of those, one isn't thinking of anything else. Um, actually, some that some of the, sometimes the Buddha said such things um, that, in terms of, of giving giving recollections and things to contemplate, and saying, "Well, if we if if we do this, at least we won't be worrying, uh, angry, you know, and so forth." Um, so, skillful recollection. That's that's if you like the bottom line of it. Um, of course, there's a lot more to it than that. Essentially, it's to do with the anything that has form, is experienced as form, and there is a certain uh, we karma uh, creates is um, repetitive uh, activity um, that takes us along particular habitual patterns that we then reiterate and strengthen and deepen and karma um, takes us out from presence takes us out to um, things where uh, there's an accelerating force of need of fear of you know, various negative things, negative experiences, greed, and so forth. So, um, and this occurs. This starts with the very starts with the very act of of recognize of cognition. It sort of starts there. So one sees thing, things that are, are, are that we see or hear or whatever immediately start to mean something to us just in the very act of cognition um, we see an apple it's an eating it's an eatable thing it's an edible so it has that kind of thing it's a desirable 
it's a wantable, it's a preferable. Uh, you know, we see something, it already has a particular meaning that has got a karmic potential in it, the potential to be um, you know, impacted, to be motivated somewhere or another, and, and generally in a way that is quite um, immediate and unguarded. So, and there's a massive diffusion of things in the world, world of form. There's cars, monkeys, apples, people, <laughs> uh, money, you know, vast range of, of, of stuff that is all got, is loaded uh, with, with meaning for us. Um, those meanings tend to mean that the mind is, is move, moves out and it's also it's scattered, it diffuses amongst all the different kinds of things there are you know, you know so it's like you want to eat something okay, what do you want to eat and so on, you've got the option paralysis stuff there's so much stuff there or, you know. so one of the things you, that one does in recollection is just reduce things down to sim- simplicity to, to the simplest uh, perceptual active acts, simplest perceptual um, um, images, you know, which are less, which are not so karmically loaded. You know, so we can see in the experience of anything that's formed, it has shape, we see the shape of something, we see the colour, we see the, and so on. Um, the, the elements, and there are sometimes this described as five, including space, space, air, earth, fire, water. Um, when you see something, you see it, it it's, has substance, it has a certain massiveness to it. That's its earth quality. The eye travels out, it hits something, it stopped. You know, that's its earthiness. Um, it has a certain shape to it. it the shape could be, uh, is one way of describing water. For example, you know, this finger has that shape because it has fluidity in it. If it was dry, completely dry, it'd just be a heap of dust. It wouldn't be able to have any shape to it. So there's water. Water is the shape of things, the bending, the bendiness of things, the, sh- the plasticness of things. Air is the movement of things. Um, fire is the vibrancy, the brightness, the light, the shininess, the energy of things. Space is the um, the emptiness of things. I mean, not say the. Uh, the openness of things. Everything has holes in it. Spaces around us. Spaces coming in, in this body has holes in it. Spaces around it. So these, these are things you can witness in all, all, all things that have form. You can see it here. This body is comprised of it. This body is comprised of it. This clock is comprised of it. So seeing it like that, it kind of reduces things down to a very simple 
um, pattern or patterning in which there isn't the immediate rush of that occurs around other ways of recognizing things it kind of it, it disengages the perceptual motors but it doesn't withdraw us from form so we're there but we're not we're looking at things from a different language so you're contacting something and particularly say internally it's just like learning how to to give name to give cognitive grip on stuff that is elusive you know. so particularly in terms of you know, internal meditation objects where it's just mental stuff the world of mental form is quite slippery and evocative so it gives you a way of, of holding on to something like this breathing feels vibrant so if we've got a word like a reference like that then you've got a way of actually tacking holding it with, with this vitaka vichara experience that actually keeps you on track rather than sliding off or fogging out you know, that's internally externally it's to do with um, loosening the ways in which we hold things yeah. so particularly with a, a physical body with a physical form we can be attracted to the shape the shaping of a body or repelled by the shape of a body we can say this is uh, ugly or beautiful but actually it's just the shape shape is shape you know it's got hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean so, so it doesn't mean there's nothing there but it just sort of uh, unhooks the ways in which we start to get going on that particular thing Yeah. You said today something about knowledge being not like finding a ladder, but filling spaces. And I'm wondering if you're just talking about Dharma knowledge, because in most of the world we think of knowledge as accumulation of facts, and that's certainly done by um, accumulating uh, knowledge in, a, in, a, in an incremental way. Mm-hmm. It seems very different from the way you're speaking about knowledge. Hmm. Or is it question? Is it a translation of the of the question here that that um, is the yeah. ladders? I got called up, pulled up on this ladder thing. <laughs> <laughs> I was talking really uh, about the uh, so like path, really the path as ladder. You know, you go from this step to that step to this step to that step to this step to that step. You know, so path, practice path as, as ladder, particularly here with reference to um, mindfulness of breathing, 
you know, having got to this stage, I'm going to get to that stage, then there'll be the next stage. We can also see that, say, in terms of realizations, you know, when it's got re- stream enterer, non returner, da 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 da, and what stage am I at? Or, you know, what stage of meditation am I at? Um, you know, and the, the, although there is a sort of, as I was reminded, there's a sort of conventional, um, yeah, about that, but there are certain drawbacks with it in, in that you, you never actually, you always feel, you're never really where you are, you're always not at that stage, or I'm past that stage, you know, on, the, on, the, on the ladder model. And you look up, and think, oh, another five rungs to go. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so it, it it means instead of settling where you are, there's the feeling of being kind of leaning, or wanting to be at the next point, wanting to be at the next stage, or feeling a sense of dread at how many stages there are to go, or how long it would take to get to the next stage, or feeling a sense of complacency over what stage one's at or you know sort of what stage are you at then (laughs) (laughs) so so I kind of but yes there is obviously there is growth and development Um, so it's not really that there isn't growth and development but so it's like the actual movement of that uh, the ladder simile can hinder the movement along the path in that it doesn't allow us to open and settle where we are and it's through that opening into where we are that the movement occurs mm. so I sort of try to think well maybe fountain will be better than ladder you know there's certainly a movement upwards, but it comes from getting in the water, you know, and letting, letting, letting it happen. You know, one can also see the sense of, um, you know, one, just the unconscious imaging of, of path, realization, attainment, development, so forth. Uh, can be upwards, unconsciously upwards to perfection. So you get that kind of background image in the mind, probably unrecognized, but a sense of... Uh, and that brings around an, an unconscious ascending energy, um, which is not, doesn't, ha- doesn't have the right means of ascending. So ascending energy was just trying to ascend. Now if we, without take, denying things such as realizations, fruitions, uh, liberation, arahants, buddhas, so on, what about if we just said uh, wholeness rather than perfection, for example? So again, there's a sense of of a of yes, there is a a process of you know completing or or, or developing, but developing in terms of wholeness. 
You could also say something like that, and then maybe you can feel it energetically. That doesn't feel like going up or going on. It feels like hmm, just being more increasingly richer here. Yeah. Uh, and I, so I, I think that it's to say that there there are unconscious I- imageries unconscious models that, that occur that still have quite powerful effects on how we operate you know? uh, and so the two one of the major asavas or uh, major corruptions is the corruption of bhava vibhava which is becoming and desire for, desire for extinction desire to get somewhere, desire to get out so, you know, or that, that, that seeing things and experiencing things in that way and it's said that on, only, only completely realized beings are free from this this influence you know? so that kind of taint affects our, our modeling of practice our modeling of path you know the sort of agenda, the you know the, the leaning, the fretting, you know, the withdrawing. So that's you know, that's really what I was re- referring to in terms of just using checking how these things operate for us sense of stage and, and development and progress. Yes? Can you uh, talk a little bit about the um, investigative process as far as um, kind of leading to insight as far as uh, form and meditation and, and outside of meditation? Investigation? Investigative process yeah. you know, as far as Just investigating and inquiring, self-inquiring. Mm. Well, inquiry will always need some uh, stable reference point to inquire from, to measure things against, if you like, for inquiring. You've got to have uh, something you can measure your experience against. Uh, so it's, it's better than this. You know, there's a, so, you know, this doesn't feel peaceful because this does. You know, so you've got something, something you can refer to, some kind of baseline it also re- require it also requ- um, necessitates the ability to to keep referring you, know, you have to have a baseline you also have, an, have to have an agency something that will do the referring and be able to get uh, a reference to to what we're exa- what what we're examining so in terms of the, the Buddha's presentation the basic um, the agency is is 
mindfulness, uh, clear comprehension, or alertness. Uh, so when we're mindful, there's a, a dispassionate observation, a dispassionate holding, a dispassionate touching of phenomena. You have uh, baseline references, which we uh, say the four foundations of mindfulness is body, feeling, mind, mind objects. Um, you can refer to the, 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 the quality of the feeling of things, the energy of things, the wholesomeness of things, the unwholesomeness of things, the cause and effect pattern within things. You know, this leads to that, this comes from that. Uh, when this happens, that, that's its consequence. So that's a very uh, common um, question in inquiry. Where does this come from? Where does it lead to? What's its causal process? Um, with you know, the big question is, does this lead to, in some way, does this conduce, support, encourage, lead onwards towards dukkha, towards fragmentation, sorrow? pain, discomfort, stress, or does it, does it lead out of that? That's the, core, the fundamental causality principle that we're looking at. Um, yeah. Is there anything more specific you'd like to focus in on in that rather general outline? Well, you talked about the, the four jhanas, the first four. Yeah. Um, the first of the three other things. Um, I'm just wondering about as far as the uh, inquiry in that process, you know, when if there's a certain point in that process where you should begin, if there's something comes up, or I mean, it, it just seems like there's so many little things that come up. Uh, it seems sort of unimportant at times, but mm-hmm. you know, during meditation, but, you know, you let things go by, and you might attach to some fantasy, or you know. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Well, if you're if you're uh, in meditation, then your reference will be a meditation theme or object, walking. Breathing, uh, sitting, metta, a mantra, a recollection. So you got that's you set up an artificial or um, a deliberate object that then you try to stabilize and act, use as a as a baseline. Um, and then you can refer to things w- within that, like now you know now the breathing feels like this, now it feels like that, now it's doing this, now it's doing that. You know, so you, you build up a certain referential quality within it. You also mm-hmm. recognize, you know, now I'm not with it. And what's that about? Mm-hmm. Now, many, I suppose, in certainly in the beginning stages, there's so much static that there's not, you know, stuff. so much of stuff is flying around that you can't sustain a deliberate inquiry on every 
every little bit of sand in the wind, as it were. So much of it is just acknowledgement uh, of being pulled out, or movement, spinning, and coming back to center. It's just that amount of acknowledgement, just that amount of it, of, of uh, using that Dhamma Vijaya exploration quality. When you, st- when it's, when you s- stabilize a little more, then one can explore more fully the quality of the meditation topic and also the quality of the disturbance. Like this has got some fear in it, this has got some desire in it, this has got some withdrawal, doubt, dullness in it, it's like that. You know? Again, you know, it, it, so that process of investigation changes dependent on the degree of holding power or samadhi that's present so samadhi is a, is a kind of holding energy or an energy that's stabilized the more stable that is the more refined and detailed uh, the ability is to in- investigate because you s- the mind is much clearer and sharper and quicker outside of uh, a meditation topic say in daily life most of your practice is going to be uh, the meditation object will be the mind. Uh, you know, the presence of mind. So, mind, as I said, it, or di- used as a, as a tentative offering, effective, effective resonance. So now I'm affected by fear. Now I'm affected. Now the effect is joy. Now the effect is is ease. Now the effect is worry. Just you know, you've got that. That is your reference, and uh, in, in, so it, it it gives you. It keeps a certain uh, boundary or framework of reference there, that you are you're connected to, that you you can centralize on. That you, there's a central point in there that, that's that's you, that's yours, um, and then but it doesn't shut things out either. So it's in, in the, it's like in a relational uh, field. We're getting anywhere? That was pretty good. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. Okay. No, no, no. <laughs> that was about ten cents worth. That was. <laughs> Can I ask a better question? You want more? He's asking about vibhava, or which is this uh, inclination towards not being, or getting out, or extinction, or dropping it. How? What's the difference between that and, and direct aversion, um, you know, hatred, or ill will, or things of that nature? Well, um, vibhava is is a more is a more 
deeper pattern. Um, and it's not necessarily, uh, you know, depends what you mean by aversion, really, but. Vibhava is a whole way of life. <laughs> you know, aversions are kind of it's a ripple on the pond, but Vibhava is, is a whole its own river. <laughs> so it um, you know, it, it sets up the whole stances. Oh, whole, you know, there's a whole stance that's set up. Like, you know, uh, you could say that lack of confidence is is an element of vibhava. You know, the feeling of like, I don't really want to get too, you know, because I I feel unsafe. You know, it's something that he's always wanted to not be touched, not be present, and but but I might not feel any sense of aversion. As such, you know, I haven't got the. You know, I'm not present enough to be averse. <laughs> <laughs> so sometimes it's just the real shutdown of numbness. You don't feel a sense of aversion; you're just not there. Um, it's numbing out. It's um, it's things like, I don't understand this stuff about suffering. I don't suffer. <laughs> I'm all right. I'm all right. I'm fine. What's on telly? You know? <laughs> it's, it's denial. Uh, yeah, um, yeah. It's a whole energetic kind of shutting down. It's a whole like an energetic closing down or flinching, close, closing down. Uh, rather than the barber is one an energetic spilling out, you know, overreaching, reaching out, clawing out. The barber is like a energetically sinking back. So it can, you know, it can be that it's sort of become so patterned in that one's ways of con- con- conceiving, even experiencing reality or so-called reality, are, you know clouded by it you know we've, we've never actually or we, you know that that thing prevents us from ever really having contacted things touched things felt things you know it's like uh, almost like a, a sense of a lack of safety in being present in presence which affects us all of us to some degree there's a muffling effect um, uh, where one doesn't receive things, something is said or heard, or and you, you, you know, you don't really get it. it you know, something and you're continually muffling experiences or or bouncing off them, sliding off them, not to actually receive it, hear it where it is, or when it, you do touch it, you touch it momentarily and you skid off. Your mind skids off it. You know, say, um, you know, say, uh, some kind of emotional state, a powerful feeling, passion, a hurt feeling. You touch it and you you're gone. You know, you skid off into some numbness. Uh, and the experience can be one where there's a 
it's almost, you know, your, your skid gets so quick that you just feel a slight tremble, then it's funny, you, you feel sort of rather small and contracted and numb, but okay. You felt some tremble and then there was a sort of, sort of vague blur, and then you felt slightly contracted and numb. You know, and you didn't even, you know, you didn't even see it. You know, it, it that's that, be that quick. So it, so it patterns the spiritual path. You know, Vibhava patterns the spiritual path for people in terms of mortification, uh, abstinence as a way of life, ascetism as a way of life, um, sin. I, I actually am sin, sinful, you know, that kind of thing. Um, weariness, well, the, the you know the rottenness of it all, and all that kind of that line is the Vibhava line, <laughs> Vibhava lineage. Uh, so it's called an asava, which means it's just the primary stain or taint over the way that experience is is held. And so for most people, there'll be blotches that's not evenly spread. You know, there'll be elements when it isn't, it's not total, fortunately. You know, there'll be places which are pretty thick with that particular paint. You know, so nothing much comes through there. You're defended, you're safe, you're numbed, you slide quite quickly. Other places you're quite open, one is quite open to. Um, the, when it's called Vibhava Tanha, it, it's a, in a more active rather than just, rather than just a, a, almost like a way of, of perceiving things, it's more activated. And so then it, it's the, like the, you can, it's more experienced as a scrambling to get out, uh, a scrambling to get rid of things. So, um, you know, maybe in a meditation, then it's that which is sort of trying to stop every, stop all this stuff happening, shut up, be quiet, make it go away, you know. It's that kind of pushing away of experience, um, pushing away of, of form, pushing away of feeling. Um, and marked by a flusteredness. It's not a clear, hey, this is inappropriate, we don't need this, this is not necessary. No, no. Which is, you know, that's, that's clear. You know, this is not needed, it's not necessary, it's not appropriate. Just, right. It's the kind of fl- flustered, flappy feeling of, oh, stop this going, you know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so it could, uh, you know, normally when we consider aversion, we think more in terms of something a little more pointed, and uh, like, you know, hatred or malice, where Vibhava is often fear, doubt, self-doubt, um, dullness, the, it, those hindrances right on top of, of that particular thing. You know, it can come up as the, the punishment attitude. You know, I punish myself, you know, this kind of... Venge, vengefulness. I mean, we we take revenge on life. Yeah. Yeah. Do you know it? 
Strange enough, it actually those things seek some seek. Also, they're, they're, they're seekers. They do. Vibhava actually, you know, def- seeks us, seeks something to, to to not be. You know, it's the curious thing about it. Like, like it, it makes an identity out of something we've determined we're not. It makes an identity out of something that we push away. It makes an identity out of I'm not that. You know. So it's rather than I am that, this is what I am, you know, which is Baba. Mm-hmm. Be Baba is, oh, it's not me, I'm not that, I never have that, you know. Until it, you know. So you, you find you have experiences seem ambiguous and contradictory and can be happy and sad at the same time. Mm. Mm. Yeah, I think I would suggest that it's because things touch different layers of of ex- different layers of being, different layers of of ex- of our being, you know. So something can be kind of feel pleasant on on one level, you know. It, it says a, it's a pleasant sensation, and yet there can be a, a sadness with that, yeah, in that it it touches something else in us. Um, it may touch into the, the fleetingness of it or um, or it, it may be that something that has a pleasant feeling on one on one level has an, has a an associative memory that's less pleasant so you, you know things that, are experienced those are called the five kanda or which are the attributes of experience that is things are have a form they also have a feeling tone they also have perceptual meaning to them they, they, they mean something to us and they have a certain karmic spin to them so one might have something that's pleasant, and yet in the back of the mind think, "Oh, here we, you know, here I'm getting pulled out again." It might be something like that, or it could be something pleasant that just reminds you of, in some way, you know, something that happened two years ago, or a person, you know. So it has a, a sadness to it. Mm. 
think with on the on emotional plane, then you know when the, particularly when the 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 emotional plane is is kind of opened and and brought to the surface. Why it's generally not brought to the surface is because it's rather like you know touching a pond. The ripples go in different directions, so one can feel in some way joyed at the touch, and yet at the same time sense of grief at the separation uh, at, the, the, at the at that or affected and not wanting to be affected that is you know it's pleasant and yet one didn't want one's bells rung at that particular time it's just unsettling so all kinds of, di- of kind of cross currents can occur the experience is not what we think it is not a simple thing because it touches different layers and different levels of our of our, of our experience that we identify with So, yeah. yeah. You know, oh, yeah, I know the final realization. No, yeah, yeah, final realization. Yeah, you know. <laughs> bliss, bliss, the pros and cons of bliss. <laughs> and jhanas, well, yeah, well, this is it's quite a lot of uh, energy goes on around this topic. Yeah. Uh, well, uh, yeah. They they they're, they're doable. Uh, that's, you know, but they're not that doable. <laughs> um, and people even debate over exactly what they are. You know, um, the Buddha's definition of them is beautifully simple. Um, you know the factors that are present, um, but 
people, other people, in trying to be more explicit, uh, disagree, have created you know further degrees of definition that people don't know everybody agrees upon. You know, and another interesting kind of bit of twist of the whole story is that for for monks uh, and nuns, then you're not supposed to proclaim these things even if it's true and if, you, if it's definitely not true and you know it's not true then you, you're, you're out yeah. so this adds another little you know, Russian roulette twist to the whole kind of <laughs> thing about you know, you know, putting out your stuff if you, you know, putting your stuff out there um, so it's a whole area that's kind of people are quite cautious about and you know uh, and some some definitions of, of jhana are so kind of esoteric that people think, God, I don't do that. So feeling that, um, well, maybe it's not necessary. You know. the, the, the Pali Canon... From the Pali Canon, the, the, the conclusion is that a degree of jhana is required for liberation. Not, not a complete mastery of all levels of it, but a, a degree of it is required. Um, and the degree that is required is, is pleasant. It's pleasant. The pleasantness is not you know, the, the main... Um, Reason why it's required, but it is it is it is part is part of the part of the requirement because in the pleasantness or the easing, the mind is less stressed and taut, less tense. It's um, so it's much more malleable. It's less you know it's rather like a you know a well-oiled thing rather rather than something that's dried out and gone rusty. It's smooth and it's well-oiled and it's pliable. So it's re- the Buddha said it's ready for work. It's pliable and malleable. Because of the effect, the relief and the ease of bliss, it tends to reduce the hunger of the mind to get places. It tends to reduce the, the shock and fear of the mind in, in experiencing things. So we're more capable of touching dukkha, Skillfully, when we're not contracted, when we're at ease, when we're confident, it's a peaceful. It's and it's um, it can continue for long periods of time, and it's free. Uh, <laughs> so you know, and you don't you don't kind of have you know sensory happiness is much uh, more jagged and erratic compared with that with compared with the bliss of of jhana meditation so it's very uh, beautiful uh, and, and fulfilling kind of experience it gives one a lot of confidence uh, it also means that the hindrances have much less room to stand on because one is satisfied therefore one is not hungry one is not craving one feels confident one has no doubt uh, one is not itchy and restless. Um, one has no ill will. Mm. The mind is not dull. So the hindrances drop away. 
So you, you actually, you know, are shedding quite a bit of baggage in that, uh, and the mind is becoming sharp and clear. So that's that's really the, the big advantage of it. It takes us also, though this isn't really bliss itself, but I mean the other aspect of jhana and samadhi is that it, it can take one to a, to a deeper level, deeper layering of the onion that we live, that we are. But it is not to, it's not um, it's not that easy. Um, and a lot of the, the one of the, the hindrance, the difficulty of it is, of course, uh, the kind of hu- the longing, the hungering, the wanting of that experience, uh, or. You know, the, the feeling inadequate if one is not blissed out. Same time, uh, um, the Buddha's description of first jhana is not as remote a possibility as um, some later commentators' description of it. It's not that way out. The Buddha said this is something that, you know, a meditator, a careful, experienced, diligent meditator, can, you know, this is not that far away. So for you know, for meditators, you know, people who uh, keep precepts, uh, have their boundaries are clear, their centering is established. So, and this is where it does flow over beyond meditation, you know, because it means that your your whole way of being is there's a certain self-discipline in it. You haven't. You don't leak wildly. You don't crack. You know, and leap out. You know, you're fairly completed. Um, you know, you're, 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 there's a certain sense of presence in what you're doing. You don't not losing it all the time. So that's going to, in terms of precepts, in terms of a certain collectedness, um, restraint, uh, or collectedness, um, harmlessness. You know, good karma. Uh, in, in daily life, is is a foundation for it, because you can't just crank it up on a, on a, on you know an hour or so on a retreat. You've got to live in a way that sets a found, firm foundation, so that one is not loaded, and also one is not uh, you know, off-centered. Mm. Then, if the if the situation is is quiet and you can attend, and you can focus, and you, you also you know how to do it, then it's not, first jhana is not that, not that remote a possibility. The usefulness of talking about such things is that to, to, to realize that there are dis- definite factors that have to be present, there are definite signs that have to be regarded. Um, and so then, you, you know, don't mistake it for that. That's called going to sleep. <laughs> you know, don't mistake it for that. That's called just a bit of excitement. You know. But there's uh, so there are definite signs to that, and uh, it's it's uh, and it can be if you do it patiently. 
carefully and know how to moderate um, particularly vitaka vichara you know how to touch something how to feel it out how to moderate one's energy so that they're they're steady rather than surging and flopping Mm. contentment uh, with oneself those are all understandable uh, um, foundations for for samadhi and jhana but when people start talking about it you know it's so some teachers actually really you know put it put it down or or tease with it just to stop people getting a bit puffed up the Chinese master Master Hua and he said you know he's talking about samadhi and he said look you think you've got samadhi if your heart if you can still feel if your heart's still beating that's not samadhi that's just light ease So if you're thinking, oh, well, I'm really can I get my stuff together, then you sort of cut. mental processes in the second frame which is the second frame of reference is mindfulness of feeling which is the fourth yeah oh yeah yeah true yeah yeah um vichara is sometimes translated as initial and sustained thought Initial thought uh, or, or directed thought, vitaka. Uh, applied thought, sometimes it's translated as that. Um, directed thought and evaluation, sometimes it's translated as that. Uh, if you look in any anywhere where the Buddha, where the Buddha is using a description of of first jhana, you'll see which which words the translator has used. Um, because it's always it says um, with directed say with vitaka vichara and the piti sukha or the rapture and pleasure born of either seclusion or withdrawal or non-attachment which is the translation of viveka so there's always those those other mental factors vitaka 
holding it, touching it, vichara, um, feeling it, evaluating it, pondering on it, sometimes pondering even. Hmm? It is still present in the first job. Yeah. When you say the second frame of reference, are you talking about the second tetrad of Anapanasati? The second one is um, fully experiencing rapture, fully experiencing ease, fully experiencing the mental conditioner, citta-sankara, and calming the mental conditioner. Yeah. So the, the citta-sankara, the, which might be translated as the mental formation, uh, the mental formation is the, the, the term that covers um, perception and feeling. Um, it, it's, it's so like kaya sankara or bodily formation actually means uh, the basic pattern of, of embodiment, which in a, of ex, the experience that is. So the, the, the kaya sankara is, is in-breathing and out-breathing. That is, bodily experience comes down to a tone of pulse. That's what you experience, a pulsing, flowing tone, in-breathing and out-breathing. Um, in the second tetrad, the Buddha talks about feeling. That is, when, when the mind is stabilized, then the experience of breathing turns into the experience of rapture and ease. It's not like you experience breath. Um, you experience a flow of rapture. You know, the, the actual um, airiness of it, the, the, the physical qualities seem to fade out and you just have more like a, a feeling flow, which is piti and sukha. So, and it has a percept, that's the feeling of it, it has a perception, the perception may be light, bright, um, you know, some kind of perceptual thing to it. Uh, though those are first of all fully sensitized to, so it's citta sankara pati sangwedi, fully thoroughly sensitive to this particular thing that's affecting your mind, which is this the feeling tone and a particular perception and then calming it, which means instead of getting excited by it, frightened of it, quivering with it, you know, spinning off of it, you're able to master it and cool it. That's so in... in in the process of, you're looking at in terms of samadhi, then that is the the doorway between if that process is, is gone through that's the door between the first 
second jhanas. That is, you still need some sense of um, the vitaka vichara present to be able to hold, evaluate, and master those those particular feelings and and perceptions. Uh, when they're mastered, then the actual the stable quality of feeling, which then becomes um, uh, just a pleasant feeling, uh, acts as a guide on its own. That is kind of stable enough to just hold and stay there. You don't have to. It's not the same quality of, you know, holding it, touching it, evaluating it. It just, it just kind of, it's, it's gliding along. Mm. As we all know. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, yeah? Um, apart from the natural bliss, are there any other trans-like states you could slip into? Well, you don't, if you slip into rapture and bliss, it's the wrong one. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, anything of a trance-like nature is to be avoided. Uh, you know, this is clear, clearly conscious. Um, mastering um, so this is one of the reasons why you know, some people just avoid the whole that whole area of practice altogether because it can get very slippery so um, I think Ajahn, Ajahn Tate who was one of the great forest masters of Thailand uh, when he was a, when he was younger practitioner, he had twelve years get, getting stuck in this state of bliss all the time, and he had to get this Ajahn Man, who was his other forest master, had to, he had, was his teacher. It took him you know that time to get him out of it because he just going to this kind of because <laughs> it's, it's never been a problem for me, and so. <laughs> You know, they had to give him kind of things on like contemplate bone, bone, earth, bone, <laughs> you know, bone, <laughs> earth, walking <laughs> to kind of, you know, get because the problem was that there was no re- there's no frame of reference. You just kind of <laughs> so so the sense of of you know the samadhi is is not complete in that it's, it's not tethered with mindfulness. So that one isn't able to use it, you know, you're just kind of out there, but you're not, it's nice, but, and then, uh, so, the, on its own, samadhi is recognized as, if it, on its own, as just giving, as just being very good karma, and leading to uh, a, a very fortunate, happy rebirth. But it's that's you know it doesn't go any further than that, uh, so um, on its own without some cutting edge to it. Mm, so it's another reason why it's it's a kind of area of caution, because people do do experience blissy states, happy states where 
it hasn't got the, sh- the sharpness, the mastery, the accuracy that's required for liberation. Mm. So, I mean, most, I see the, by and large, you know, the mainstream of the meditation traditions these days are generally working on a much, you know, more grounded level. Um, you know, of inquiry, of investigation, of considering, of reflecting, you know, because of the um, the slippery qualities of of the trancey qualities that can come up with people, which are captivating, pleasant, but just bubble gum. You know. They're not handled properly, and you can really think you you are somewhere. Childhood experiences. Yeah, as in they can be experiences that in recollection they may come recurrently, but they don't have um, kind of mental um, context. With imagine um, intellectual kind of mental context, and they just become more um, differently defined. Childhood experiences. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the, the the Buddha himself referred to a childhood experience, which was his key to enlightenment. But I don't think he was. You know, it, it seemed to be just a. Uh, you know, he'd been doing a lot of very hard, hard striving, and then he, he remembered a time. As a child, when he when he's sitting under a tree, and he, he went into first jhana <laughs> under a tree, um, and looking, seeing his father was ploughing the field. So this sense of just happiness and being at ease in the present, and he thought, well, that, that that must have, that was it. It was like that. Isn't isn't that a good basis for for meditation? You know, for the path, so he'd refer to that kind of the child's 
ability to be present and easy, I think is is the you know, the useful reference. The child's ability to be playful, um, not pressurized, um, trusting. You know, those are those are useful references. Mm. But to the child still has inherited karma. Mm. When you, you know, birth is dukkha. Um, you in, you inherit effects before you're born. You know, uh, you, you you can have traumatic effects even before you come out of the womb. I mean, it's been, you know, diagnosed and seen that the people actually can get traumatized, you know, traumatic experiences before they've been born. They come out with karma, they come out, you know, with fear, they come out with a sense of not being wanted, they come out with a, a feeling of anxiety or trapped or not safe from uterine experience. So that's before day one. You know? <laughs> so, in when you're a child, you know, of course, there can be the times of joy and trust, and if you've got a good deal, you know, if you've got some nice parents. But if you didn't, it can be the times of abandonment, unworthiness, fear, rejection, before you've squawked your first squawk. So, you know, the child is, is not the child of romantic poetry, you know, the child of innocence. It's a, the child is a passive victim as well. And uh, so there can be a lot of stuff that's just patterned right in from that time. The feeling of you've got to struggle to be here. You don't have a right to be here. You've got to struggle to prove something. That kind of thing comes from childhood. Um, you know, you are, there's something wrong with you, you're distasteful, you're not lovable. That comes from childhood. You're um, too loud, you're too noisy, shut up. That comes from childhood. <laughs> Your exuberance is distasteful, shut down. You're dirty, you know, it's kind of incredible, fastidious tidiness and holding yourself with your your nuisance, you know, that comes from childhood. You don't one doesn't even recognise it because there's no no thought is pre verbal. So there's no thought associated with it. You don't think it. You are it. And that's more in some ways more pernicious and potent than thought. Because you you don't really have a way of witnessing you've never seen anything but that. You are it. So childhood can be Child, you know, is is not, uh, you know, the wonder that one may imagine it to be. When you go and you have memories of childhood experiences, it's really memories of any experience. Um, in the present moment, what does it mean for you? So if you have a childhood memory that brings up a strange sense of poignancy or gladness or sadness or joy, 
you know, this it's a present experience. Um, it has no history to it really, uh, and maybe it's the memory is associating with a childhood one, in order to find a way of of expressing it, expressing that feeling. that help you? Okay. Okay, this will be, I think, about the last one for tonight. Yeah? Do you get um, any Buddhist um, monks and people declaring themselves enlightened or say all that enlightened work like that? Or or liberated? Monks and people, huh? Uh, I think I think it happens. Yeah, it's it's you know there's a lot of um, it's a big big area. What what is a Buddhist? What is a person? (laughs) 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 Um, You know, there's a lot of people in the world, and. you know, different takes on on what Buddhism is, different takes on what enlightenment is. There are those who who proclaim their enlightenment. Mm. Some of them are Buddhists, some of them aren't. Mm. Uh, how does it affect you? Does it bother you? Does it bother me? Yeah. Or Uh-huh. I'm just curious whether it's about um, amongst Buddhist people who've been practicing for many, many years and yeah. um, of, of Johnny that's liberated or something like that. I mean, is there that sort of. I mean, is there, I mean the people are just curious about I'm not, I'm not aware of people declaring themselves as an object. It's not immediate to see the usefulness of making such a declaration, and it's easy to see the the problems that it can cause. So, uh, you know, at least in in the the code of conduct that the Buddha gave to the his summoner disciples, this is something not to be done. As having very little usefulness and can do a lot of harm. I think, uh, you know, when people would ask Ajahn Chah whether he was enlightened, he'd say, well, what's it to you? What matters is whether you're enlightened. Um, <laughs> you know, it, you know, and if it's true, then you're going to start to try and model yourself on that person and you won't be looking at what's happening here, or you're, you know, you'll, you'll only be looking at the outward surface. And you think that's not, you think that's enlightened. That's not enlightened. It's just the, an outward surface. So you either model yourself on that, or get 
obsess with it or worship it, but all that's taken you away from here now, what's happening for you. Which is a good place to finish. <laughs>